Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God. We are talking about having faith in the anointing. Tonight we're going to continue a part two to having faith in the anointing. And for a text, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah 10, he tells us something here about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 27, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders. And his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So we see here what the anointing is. It is yoke destroying, burden removing power. It destroys the yoke. And when it says his yoke, he'll take away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck. Of course, we know it's talking about the devil. It's talking about evil spirits. Not just talking about people in the natural, but we understand from the New Testament that the devil, he goes around seeking whomever he may yoke to bondage and oppression. That's what the devil wants to do. But God wants to destroy the yoke of the devil and remove it from our lives, and he does it through the anointing, through the anointing. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. We looked at that that's how Jesus did what he did in his earthly ministry. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing All who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Notice, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power to do these things. Jesus did not do these things. He did not go around healing people, delivering people, driving demons demons out of people until he was anointed. Remember, he was anointed Uh, when he came up out of the Jordan River after being baptized by John. The heavens were open, and the Spirit of God came upon him. That is the anointing. The anointing, again, is the Holy Spirit and power of God coming upon a person. Again, looking at verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So that's what we're anointed with. The Holy Spirit and power. And you know, what is, what does it mean to anoint someone or anoint something? You know, uh, have you ever put cream on your hands and, and rubbed it in, especially in this cold weather? Your hands get a little chap and you, and you just rub that cream into your hands to, to soften them up. Well, what you're doing there is you're anointing your hands with cream. What, what does it mean? You're pouring it on there, rubbing it in. Smearing it all over. That's what you're doing. And that's what it means to anoint. So think about this. 
When we're talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, being anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now replace your cream. Replace your favorite hand cream. And understand, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and power. That's what we're talking about. And that's why Mark 16 says, believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover because we have the Holy Spirit, the power of God rubbed all over, smeared all over us. Not just our hands, but all over us. God wants to anoint your whole body with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and power of God. Isn't that awesome? To be anointed with Him. So we could say the anointing is the Holy Spirit and power that heals. Because remember, Jesus went about and He healed those who were oppressed of the devil. So it's the Holy Spirit and power that heals, destroys yokes, and removes burdens or demonic oppression. That's what the anointing is. That's what, that's what it does. Again, it's the Holy Spirit and power that heals, destroys yokes, and removes burdens. Removes all demonic oppression from people's lives. And this is what Jesus walked in. This is what enabled him to do what he did on the earth. And he did awesome things. But he didn't do it of himself. He did it by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that the Father had poured out upon his life. So understand that. That's how Jesus did what he did. Now, here's something really awesome. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to his disciples, right after he rose from the dead, he told them, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So here Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power to heal, destroy yokes, remove burdens. Everything he did, he did by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes off to heaven, but before he leaves, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was anointed, and now he has anointed his disciples. Do we have any disciples of the Lord in here? Yeah, so you are to be anointed with the same anointing Jesus was anointed with. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, healing power, delivering power, yoke-destroying power, burden-removing power. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. This is what God has given us. And we're not, we're not seeing enough of this in manifestation in individual believers' lives. And why is that? Because folks really don't believe. They really don't understand and know what they have, what they've been anointed with, what's been made available to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ 
and has anointed us is God. Hallelujah. He's talking to the church. That's what he's right. That's who he's writing to. Church of Corinth. He's anointed us. He's established us. Let's look at it again. With you in Christ and has anointed us. We could say with you in Christ. See, a lot of folks just say, well, that was for Paul the Apostle. That was just for the, you know, the, the, the apostles of the Lamb. But no, he's telling you right here, that anointing is for all of us. That anointing is for all of us. And of course, we see that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, when he was poured out, he came upon the 120 that were in the upper room. And they weren't all apostles. They weren't all apostles. There were men and women in there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. They weren't all apostles. Yet the Spirit of God came upon them. Tongues of fire appeared on all of them. They were all anointed. And then Peter goes on to say to thousands of people that had gathered, he said, this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, it's to your children, and all, the, all those who are afar off. In other words, <clears throat> future generations. So this anointing is for all who would believe. All who would receive it. So that anointing is available to you and I. Now, it's not just an experience. Some people just leave it at, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I spoke in tongues a little bit. And then that's the end of it. That's not supposed to be the end of it. What about healing? What about yoke destroying? What about burden removing? Driving out demonic oppression? Come on, you're anointed to do this. You're anointed to do this. And if you're anointed to do this, how much more, bless God, are you healed? Are you free of all demonic oppression? Yeah, we're anointed. That's why we're Christians. Christians. Christ. What, is that? what does that mean? Anointed. Anointed. That's what Christ means. Anointed. It's a Greek word. So we're the body of the anointed. We are anointed ones. We are Christians. That's who we are. That's what we are. See, the church earned that reputation. You know, there was people that, I don't know, they, maybe they were just kind of mocking and scoffing. It's over in, over in the book of Acts where Christians were first referred to as Christians. They were first called Christians. Well, why would you call these people Christians? Why would you say they're Christians? Why would you say they're anointed ones? They're anointed like the anointed one himself. Why would you say that? Unless they were going around healing, destroying yokes, and removing burdens. What a reputation. Come on, somebody. We've got to get back to the book of Acts. Yeah, we are. We're on, we're, on the, we're on the right road. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Hallelujah. We need to be faithful with that anointing because as we're faithful in that anointing, that anointing will increase upon our lives. And we also talked about, uh, aside from this general anointing that's available to the entire body of Christ, there are specific anointings or specialist anointings. Specialist anointings. And we see that mentioned over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4.11, where he talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, there's an anointing for each one of those callings. 
Each one of those ministry gifts, there are specific anointings for people whom God calls to function in those positions to function with. So the Lord has given specific anointings to people that he has chosen to operate either as an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher. And so again, it takes faith for the apostle, the prophet, and so forth, to flow in that anointing, to walk in that office. They're not supposed to just do it naturally. They're not just supposed to function, uh, you know, out of their heads using human effort. You know, where they study the Bible and, and, you know, they start churches and they, you know, they do all kinds of ministry things and, and outreaches and so forth. You know, there's a lot of folks that can do that without the anointing. You could do a lot of good works. There's a lot of unsaved people that will spend eternity in hell. There's people in hell right now. I mean, they spent their, their, many of their days on earth out there doing good deeds. Out there helping people, you know, establishing organizations that are a great blessing to people, right? But were they anointed? You know, you don't have to be anointed to just go about and do good things. But if we're going to do God's thing, if we're going to do what God wants to get done which is supernatural things, you have to be anointed to do it. You understand? So the people that stand in these offices are anointed to do so. And it takes faith to activate that anointing. So they need to flow in that gift by having faith in it. And of course, as they flow in their gift, their faith will grow and that anointing will get stronger and flow more efficiently through their life to minister to people. But then the people that they're ministering to need to have faith in that anointing that's on those ministry gifts. Congregations need to have faith in the anointing that's on that minister, whatever minister's ministering to them. They have to have faith in the anointing. Not just think, oh, he's a great speaker. You know, he's a great speaker and he's this and he's that. You know, hey, you did a great job, pastor. That was was a great message. I kind of, all right. And I know I had my part in it. It's my part is faith. <laughs> but he does the bigger part. He destroys the yokes, blew the burden, brings forth the revelation that people... See, he destroys the yoke of darkness that blinds people to the light of the gospel. He's what causes revelation to come forth. See, that anointing causes people to get revelation of the word. See, I can just stand up here and I can teach without an anointing and you'll just get a, an educated head. But if I do it under the anointing of God, see, then that anointing pierces, takes that word, that anointed word, and pierces the darkness, drives out that oppression, and people see things. They see things. Suddenly, there's light, and they get revelation of the word, and it transforms their lives. So the congregation has to have faith in the anointing that is on the ministry gift, that is ministering to them. So that's why it's so important to hear these things. We got to grow in our faith so that I can flow better and you can receive more. And if you can receive more, that's going to help me to flow better. And as I flow better, it's going to help you to receive more. And the more you receive, the more I'm able to flow better. See, and then we can begin to walk in the fullness of this gift of the anointing that God has made available to us. See, and so we want that now. We want to walk in the fullness. We don't want little, we don't want little drops. And just get a little partial blessing. We want to walk in the fullness of the blessing. Hallelujah. And we can have that here. We can can be known for that here. 
If we all come with just faith to pull on that anointing of God, and I come, my eyes are on the anointing of God, man, we could see incredible things happen. Much greater things than we've already seen. And we've seen some great things, but it's time to see even greater things, even greater works. But it's going to take faith to do it. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, I shared with you last time, and I'm going to repeat it just me, because I'm your pastor and I minister to you every week, it's good to know what I'm anointed with so you know what's available to you. So the first thing God had spoken to me was while I was out in Bible school, he spoke very clearly, clearly to me, evangelist. So that, that anointing, that gift is in my life. And then, before coming here and start, right before receiving the call to come here and start this church, the Lord said to me, go apostle a church in Louisville, Kentucky. So you see, that's an apostolic anointing there. Go, he didn't say pastor. He said, go apostolic church in Louisville, Kentucky. And then, uh, have you remember Reverend uh, Ray Jean Wilson? He stood up here, and this has been confirmed uh, in a number of different ways. But he spoke by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came so strong on him in one of our services. And among other things that he said, he said, he prophesied. He spoke this out. He said, the voice of the prophet coming out of you Pastor, yes, and prophet, too. A voice to say, and I will do. Hallelujah. So there's pastor, yes, and prophet, too. So there's that prophet's anointing also that I, that I function in. And like I said, an apostle many times will function in all five of the ministry gifts. So he'll be an apostle, of course, but also prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So isn't that cool? I'm so grateful for that. That gives us so much, so much to draw from, so much to receive from, so much God can do in our midst, so much that we all can partake of from the Spirit of God. So those anointings are there. So we need to believe together to see these things come to fullness. Now, of course, to see, get in faith about them coming to fullness, we need to understand each one of these ministry gifts. So let's look, number one, at the apostle. The apostle. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The apostle Paul said this. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance. In signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So he lets you know. What an apostle walks in. He says, signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, over in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says this. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So again, the apostles... Signs and wonders. Acts chapter 5 verse 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So, so what does an apostle do? He brings forth signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, of course... Before any one of these fivefold ministry gifts function in any of these spectacular things, they are first teachers, uh, preachers, 
They're ministers of the Word of God. So they'll function in some kind of pulpit ministry first, teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, and that's always where they start. But then as that gift grows, this is, these are the things that begin to function and operate through an apostle. Signs and wonders. How many people know the world needs signs and wonders? You know, that's why they love Steven Spielberg, right? Everybody likes special effects. They like all these special effects. It's all fake effects. There's nothing special about it. They're just fake. They're not real. But we've got the real deal available to us. So we have to draw on that gift. We have to draw on that gift and begin to see more of the signs and wonders and mighty deeds that God wants to do in our midst. Acts chapter 11, talking about the prophet. Acts the 11th chapter. And in verse 27, it says, And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. So notice this, this prophet, Agabus, he stood up and showed by the Spirit that something was going to happen. He had foreknowledge of things to come. And so he was able to warn the church and they were able to make preparations for that. And so that's one of the gifts of a prophet is he has that foreknowledge and he can forewarn people of things to come. And it could be major events like this one here, a famine that affects, you know, the whole land, entire regions and things. Or it could just be a something in your life individually. God has a word for you as an individual, for your life of something that is to come, to warn you of things to come. And we see that in Acts chapter 21. Now, I'm hitting the New Testament because that's where we are right now in the New Testament. Of course, the Old Testament is full of prophets. But in the New Testament, there aren't too many prophets mentioned. We don't have a whole lot of illustrations of prophets in the New Testament. Really, just this Agabus. Talks about prophets, talks about the role of a prophet and things. But here are a couple examples. And again, it's Agabus in Acts 21, verse 10. It says, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, Paul already had sensed this in his spirit. He already understood to a degree what was ahead of him. And he was prepared for it. He was, pre- he was ready for some serious persecution. So when Agabus came upon, when Agabus came on the scene and said this to him, It just really confirmed to Paul what was already in his heart. And so under the New Testament, you know, as born-again believers, we all have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, and we're all to be anointed with a general anointing. 
And that anointing that is in us gives us discernment. So when a prophet comes along and prophesies, what he's saying should just simply confirm what you already know in your heart or illuminate something in your heart you weren't seeing. But it shouldn't just be something completely out of left field that you're like, you never thought of that. That is really strange. And then you follow that prophet's word. You follow that prophet's word off into whatever he tells you to do, just taking his word for it. No, no, that's what they did under the Old Testament because that's all they had. They, they weren't born-again believers. The children of Israel weren't born-again believers. And they didn't all have an anointing of the Holy One. And, and so when the prophet spoke, they had to just take him at his word. But you and I, number one, we have the written word. That's, that's number one. And number two, we have an anointing of the Holy One. We got the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And, and so what's being spoken to us by a prophet today should, again, confirm what you already have or illuminate to you something that you didn't realize you had, but now you see it. But you see it. It's on the inside of you. It's not just external. It's not just hearing words outwardly. This is so important to understand because there's people that have walked up to believers and prophesied over them and said things to them. They didn't have that in their heart. That believer didn't have it in their heart, was prophesied over them. And, and in their whole life, they're trying to see this prophecy come to pass. And it's never going to happen. And some people have really just gotten messed up over it. Because it just has, it, it forced them, you know, they were, they were trying to force, bring something to pass in their life. They kept saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm called to be. And it wasn't the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 15, verse 32... It says, now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So here, what are they doing? They're exhorting and strengthening the brethren, but it's talking about them being prophets. So they're speaking over the people's lives, probably things pertaining to their life, giving them understanding of, of God's call on their life, illuminating things to them, confirming things to them, and encouraging them that way. It's a powerful gift. We love that. Now, unfortunately, you know, there are people that run around and treat that prophet's gift like it's, um, like it's a psychic thing, you know. You know, in the world, they have psychics, palm readers. People are going to tell you your future and things like that. But that's all demonic. And many times people, people are looking, looking for something. They're looking for answers through that prophet. No, no, no. No, we look to the word, number one. We go to the word, number one. And then again, that prophet will illuminate things God's already speaking to you. Show things up to you and confirm things to you. So we're not going to them for direction. We're not looking to them for direction. What should I do? Well, let me look into my crystal glass. And this is what you're supposed to do. And they begin to t- tell you what you're supposed to do. It's dangerous stuff. It's called witchcraft. And we want to stay away from that. In the wrong spirits. Again, you know, the devil, he try, always tries to counterfeit anything God's doing. He's a counterfeiter. So be aware of that. 
And that's why it's important to know the anointing. In fact, I'm just going to turn there. Why don't we go there? 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. He says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Antichrist. Christ. Anti-what? Anointed one. In other words, anti is against. He's against the anointing. There's folks that are against the anointing. That's an antichrist. The devil's against the anointing. He don't mind you being religious. In fact, he starts a lot of these religions. The devil don't mind you being religious. What he has a problem with is you being anointed. That's what he has a problem with. Why? Because then you get to destroying his yokes and removing his burdens and just messing him all up. Which I kind of like doing. Don't you? You know, it's fun. It's kind of addictive. You should, really, you should really get into it. You'd really enjoy it. It's really nice to destroy the yokes and remove the burdens of the devil and cause him to go running. But see, he's against the anointing. And that's what he'll attack through people that have that antichrist spirit about them. They attack the anointing. He says in verse 18, they went out from us but they were not of us. See, they couldn't handle that anointing. That anointing gets to going. That anointing gets, gets flowing. And then, see, people that are just being religious or have a wrong spirit, one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to repent to God and get delivered, or they're going to go out from us. They're going to get out of our midst. They're not going to be able to remain. They're going to leave. Because that anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Notice that in its context, he's talking about knowing who's among us. Knowing those who are among us. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ or the anointed one. He is the anti-anointing. See, the, a lot of folks teach that Jesus is the Son of God. They teach that he was, he's born of God. He's the Son of God. He is God. What they don't say is he was a man that needed to be anointed by God to do what he did. So they keep Jesus in a class all by himself, which he is in a class all by himself, and that he is God come in the flesh. But in talking about his earthly ministry, he's not in a class by himself. He's an anointed man. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, makes a point to bring out Nazareth, showing his humanity, not his divinity. Not his deity. He's a man. God anointed him as a man to do what he did. And that's what God's doing today. He's anointing people to do the things that Jesus did. But you see, religious people, don't, they don't go there. They don't talk about him being anointed. They don't talk about the anointing. They, they show Jesus Christ, but they just think that's his last name. Right? If you would just grow up Jesus Christ. Like it's, oh, that's his last name. Mary and Joseph Christ. 
No, no, it means the anointed one. And even the, even the translators had a tough time. They didn't, it's like you're translating over into English. Why do you take Christ and bring that over too? Why don't, we, why don't we bring that over into English so that people understand it? Well, we don't want to because we are against the anointed. We don't talk about Jesus as anointed. We just talk about Jesus as God. A lot of that. So he says, verse 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the anointed. He is anti-anointed, anointing, who denies the Father and the Son. So if you deny Jesus is being anointed, you're denying the Godhead, period. So things aren't right in your life. But again, knowing who's denying, who's rejecting, who's gone out from us, you have an anointing that causes you to know. In other words, you know, you know and understand what's right and what's wrong. You're able to discern what's correct, what's of God, what's of a wrong spirit. You have an anointing to know the difference. So we have to listen to that anointing. We have to get real familiar with that anointing so that nothing can deceive us. Right? Because as we go more and more into the last days, there's going to be a lot of false prophets. There's going to be a lot of more false anointed ones. There's going to be a lot more anti-anointed ones. People that are against the anointing. It's going to be a lot more of that that's going to increase in the last days. Jesus told us that, so then we have to really know the real anointing. Best way to know the real anointing is to walk in it, be around it, spend time with it, in it. Because again, some things are taught, we're teaching tonight, but some things are caught. I've been in meetings with prophets and anointed, real anointed people, and I just get so zeroed in, determined just to be a partaker of that anointing that's on their life. And there's been times when they finished ministering, I got up and I found myself walking like them. And talking like them. And, you know, sometimes that just happens, you know. We'll just, we'll just turn on something and be listening to an audio or something like that, and I just can't help myself. It just gets all over me. I catch it, see. I don't just hear it. I catch it. See, I'm not just hearing the words. I'm catching the anointing. I'm getting that anointing all over me. And it becomes a part of you. It's it's involved in your life. And you can become skillful in the anointing or with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to become skillful with the anointing. It shouldn't be something that's strange to us. We've got to become skillful with it. Because we're anointed ones. We're Christians. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we just saw Acts 15, 32, where it says, Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And that's the basic thing that prophets anointing does. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 talks about it. It says, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Say that again. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So that's just one of the basic things that a, that a, a prophet does. And then God can add to that prophecy words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and other different manifestations of the Spirit. You all familiar with the nine manifestations of the Spirit? Well, some of you are. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and see what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, uh, chapter 12. It says in verse 1, 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's why we're teaching on it tonight. You know that you were gentles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. See, so there's, see, like we were just talking about, there's different anointings. It's the same Spirit of God, but He does different things through different people. You know, God is, God is huge. He's, un, he's unlimited. And so, He takes portions of Himself and pours it out on people. And to some, one person, he gives this portion. To somebody else, he gives this portion. And they might be similar because it's God. It's the same God. It's the same spirit. But different gifts, different functions, different power, different manifestations of God in and through their life. You understand? So that's what he's saying here. There's differences of ministries, but the same Lord, verse 6. And there are diversities of activities. But it's the same God who works all in all. You know, just because you got one activity doesn't mean you got them all. We got to understand that. You know, I got the Holy Spirit. That's all I need. Well, again, you have a measure of the Holy Spirit. You have a measure of the gift of God. But there are other measures that other people have that you don't have. And that's why we need to come together as one. That's why the body of Christ needs to come together, get into one accord. That's why we need to be united together. That's why he goes on and he even talks about later in this chapter, he, he likens us to a body. And he says, you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you, you know. I, I, I've got a hand, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need the foot. How many people know the hand needs the foot? How many of you know the same blood that's thrown through my foot ends up in my hands? And what's in my hands ends up in my foot. You know, the, the circulation going on here. We're connected together. We got nerves and fibers, you know. I mean, everything's, if I stub my toe, everything's going to, every, my hands are going to move to action. Right? Everything's going to feel it. Everything's going to feel it throughout the entire body. But I've been there's a big difference between hands and feet. Big, big difference. Even, even in your fingers, I mean, there's, there's a big difference between your pinky and your thumb. And they each have their own function, and they, and, they, and they do something. They have different strengths and things. So you see, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. That's why you've got to watch by, you know, there's people that think they have it all just because they have the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. There's some things you'll never get without being connected to a body of believers. There's some things you will never get in your own, your own prayer time with God. Now, there's some things... You'll never get just coming to church and not having a prayer life. Because there's some things God's going to speak to you in the intimacy of prayer. But then, if that's all you have and you never come to church, then you're missing things that you will never get. He will never speak those. Certain things he'll never speak to you, just to you directly. He's going to speak it to you through a vessel that he has anointed to speak to you in that way. And we understand that, then we realize how much more we need each other. Lord, I need answers. I need answers. Where were you Wednesday night? I'm busy. Okay. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm believing God for answers. Maybe that particular answer was here. But you weren't here. So that anointing never even spoke to you. You know, you affect the utterance that's in a service. 
I mean, if you weren't here tonight, there might be some things that I would never have said tonight. And it's not because I see you here. It's not just a natural thing, but it's the Spirit of God. If you're not here to hear it, he's not going to say it to you. But if he sees you sitting there attentive and wanting to learn, and he knows you have a need, then he'll speak something out of my mouth. It'll be right to you. He'll talk right to you. How many times? I mean, people come to me and go, oh, man, when you said this. That's exactly what I was talking about earlier. That's exactly what I was reading my Bible. That's exactly what God was showing me. That's exactly what I needed. That was exactly, 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 exactly. It just seems like it's, you're speaking right to me. Some people think everything I'm saying is right to them. You know what that tells me? They're hanging on every word I'm saying. They're hanging on every word I'm saying. And so God is making it, you know, personal to them, everything. So it's what you, you know, and if you just come and you're, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. You know what I'm saying? You're there, you're here in the flesh, but you're, you're not really here. You're sleeping, you're sleeping your, your time away. Well, God's not going to talk to you. And if everybody starts sleeping, then it gets really tough to talk. Because, you know, he wants to talk through me, but he knows if you're not listening, then utterance just begins to diminish. And then I'm up here going, there's not much to say because there isn't much listening. There isn't really much attentiveness. There isn't much faith to receive. But according to our faith, accordingly we will receive and accordingly will be the flow of the power of God, the anointing of God into people's lives. God doesn't just, God doesn't just waste it. You know, God's very strategic so make sure it's coming to you make sure you're receiving you're drawing on the anointing of the Holy Spirit can you say amen hallelujah so a prophet forewarns usually shows or demonstrates what they're saying or dramatizes what they're saying we saw that with Agabus but then also it's just Again, it's a strengthening and exhorting, and we see that in First Corinthians. Oh, actually, we went to, we're in First Corinthians twelve now, aren't we? We're looking at the nine manifestations. So it says here, but the man, verse seven, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom. What is that? That supernatural insight in things to come. It's foreknowledge about things. See, that's what a prophet many times operates in. Foreknowledge. That's the word of wisdom. Through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, the word of knowledge is knowing things by the Spirit of God pertaining to the past or present. Wisdom is pertaining to the future, but just the word of knowledge is knowing things by the Spirit. It's supernatural knowledge. It's not just knowing things because you heard some stuff. It's knowing things supernaturally by the Spirit of God pertaining to the past or the present. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, this faith is not talking about the faith that comes by hearing the Word of God. This is a special faith. It's a special anointing that comes upon a person to cause them to believe something beyond what they can believe with their own faith. So, you know, you're, we're growing our faith. We're developing our faith. But then there's a special faith that comes on you and enables you to believe something that this isn't a faith that you developed or grew and this just came on you. 
And that is just so cool when you see that operate in people's lives. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Notice in the plural, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Again, there are there is special anointings to deal with specific sicknesses, diseases, physical conditions. And so someone might have a special anointing to deal with cancer. I remember Dr. Dufresne, the Spirit of God had appeared to him, in a, the Lord appeared to him in a vision. And, and said he was anointing him with a special anointing to kill cancer. That's pretty cool. And so, you know, there's been folks that have, spe- have had a special anointing for deafness. Someone else, blindness. And so, you know, you see them, they have these meetings. And I remember one, one, a couple of evangelists that had a special anointing that uh, healed arthritis. And so, you know, you'd hear bones crackling and popping in those meetings as people's bones and stuff would, would, would be healed. Their bodies, their joints and everything would be healed from arthritis. But then blind people would go away still blind. Deaf people would still go away deaf. See? And some people with just some, some, you know, some infirmities don't get healed. But yet there's these special anointings that deal with special healings. Powerful. Powerful. And, and it's, to give to, it's given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 10. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. Now folks have gotten this really confused. See? Just like faith. The faith that it's talking about here is special faith. This isn't an individual's faith that they develop from hearing the word of God and acting upon the word. Well, this tongues here is not talking about a general speaking in tongues that's available to every, every believer that is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is talking about a ministry gift. See, in its context, it's talking about ministry gifts. This is a ministry gift of speaking in tongues. So this is, and it's with an interpretation of tongues. So this is something that is a ministry gift that again the Spirit of God comes upon a person to give them a specific tongue that is to be interpreted. So that anointing comes on a person, they speak out a tongue. This tongue is not just their own tongue, it is a special tongue that they're speaking out and it's to be interpreted so that the congregation is edified. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. And so people have been confused because then they go on right after they see that where it says different kinds of tongues to know the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things distributed to each one individually as he wills. For as the body uh, is one is one and has many members, but all the members being one. But da, 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 let's jump down here to verse 29. This is where people get it confused. Are all apostles? What's the answer? Are all prophets? Answer, no. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? See, the confusion's right there. Some people saying yes, some people saying no. No! See, stay in its context. This is talking about the ministry gift of speaking in tongues. 
So people say, no, 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 no. And then they get to this and say, see, tongues isn't for everybody. Just like an apostle's not for everybody. Not everybody's an apostle, and not everybody speaks in tongues. You know? Okay. I mean, if you want to be ignorant, fine, but don't be dogmatic about being ignorant. You know, be open to be, to be corrected. It's context. It's talking about the ministry gift of speaking in tongues. So, no. The answer is no. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? Can believers lay hands on the sick? Is there a healing in your hands then? Yes. But do all have gifts of healings? No. Yet all believers can lay hands on the sick, expecting them to recover. See what I'm saying? That's where people get confused. Do all speak with tongues? In this context? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And people have different ideas of, well, what is the best gift? What is the best gift? And I think the best gift is the gift that is most needed at the moment. What's best for right now? What's the most needed gift for right now? That is the best gift. Hallelujah. But here's nine gifts that we need to see functioning. Functioning in our midst, flowing. Now, any one of these nine gifts could come upon your life without you being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. The thing about like a prophet, when it comes to prophecy, that is something he functions in regularly. We can almost say it's normal. It's just what he does. He's a prophet. So he prophesies. But the Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, we all could prophesy. The spirit of prophecy, the spirit of God is available to all of us. We can all exhort and encourage one another with this basic gift of prophecy. There's a basic gift of prophecy, just like there's, we can say, basic healing or general healing, general prophecy. And then there's these special things that can come upon us. And just because you might prophesy doesn't say, oh, I'm a prophet. That doesn't mean you're a prophet. See, people get confused about that. They prophesied a few times. Now they're walking around thinking they're the prophet. I had a lady that, you know, she was, she was in our music ministry back when we were in the gun shop at the time, you know, having church. And that's where we started out in a gun shop, you know. And, you know, she was great. She was doing great. And she was very prophetic. And she'd get, you know, she'd get prophetic songs. You know, she'd get inspiration. The Spirit of God would give her inspiration. She'd say things and she'd flow. Beautiful songs. And then, I don't know, something happened. A screw somewhere up here fell out. You know, right, right in, up here in the brain area. I don't know what happened. Something came loose. And she just turned into like this different person overnight. I think it's a thing called pride. And one day, you know, we were talking. I was trying to help, you know, kind of help straighten some crooked places out in her, in her thinking. And she said, I'm a, this is what she said to me. She said, I'm a prophetess. And you're not submitting to my authority. I said, no, wait, wait. I said, let's just be a good Christian right now. Try not to be my prophetess, okay? I don't, need you, I don't need you to be my prophetess right now, okay? Really happened. There's really, there's that, that kind of thing goes on. A lot, 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 lot of that kind of stuff going on throughout the body of Christ. People confusing demons with the Spirit of God, and pride is the root cause of it. Pride causes people to get all confused about these things. So that's why it's so important to be humble, walk in humility. 
If we walk in humility, it'll protect us from being deceived by Satan. So important to walk. The Bible says be clothed with humility. Let's seek humility. In fact, we need to desire these gifts. We need to desire these gifts. But let's not desire the nine manifestations. Actually, they're called manifestations. The nine manifestations. We need to desire these nine manifestations of the Spirit that mentioned here. But we also need to be developing at the same time the nine fruits of the Spirit. I love how that is. It's nine fruits of the Spirit, nine manifestations of the Spirit. Do you count these out? There's nine here. And then there's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine fruits. So you got nine fruits and nine manifestations. If you get good at the manifestations, but you're not good with fruit... You make problems. You cause many problems. So you want to be a good, fruitful person. You want to be a fruity person in a good way. Fruits and nuts. It makes a good, it makes a good granola, you know. Fruits and nuts. You got to have it both. Because the manifestations, you know, they'll think you're a nut. Right? If you walk in the manifestations, they'll think you're, the Bible world will call you a nut. So, so make sure you have the fruit. And you get the fruit and the nuts, and it's very balanced. It's very, you'll be nutritious. You'll be very, bring a lot of nutrition to the body of Christ. Can you say it, man? Can we get to evangelist? I want to get to the evangelist. All right. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist. He didn't start out that way. He started out serving tables. You see, but he was faithful. He's faithful. A lot of people just want to jump right to evangelist prophet. They want to be the prophet. I'm the prophet. I'm the prophet. You know, you know, submitting to my authority. I'm, I'm the apostle. I'm the prophet. You know, and it's like, no, you don't start there. You start there being a good teacher, and more people follow you than just a few neighborhood kids. You know what I'm saying? People have a little private, they have a little private things going on and they've got, a, they've got a few people there that they minister to and they go right into profit. You know? It's kind of like, really, there's an order to this. Apostles is really number one. It's actually the highest office. And then prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It really is an order to that. And so, a lot of people, they just want, they want to jump into prophet, you know? It's like, well, you know, they've never... They've never pastored. They've never been a teacher. They've never really done much. And there aren't too many people that respect them. They got a handful of people. And they jump from church to church wanting to prophesy over everybody. I mean, you know, they're just completely out of order. There's no fruit. They're out of line. And they're very confused. And they're so confused. It's sad, but they're so confused about these things. And many of them, you can't help them. The pride is like so off the walls, off the charts. I mean, they're just so prideful. You can't help them. You want to sit down, you want to teach them, say, let me explain this to you. That's not how it works. You see, in the Bible, it says, well, you know, and everybody's supposed to be submitting to them or, you know, you're not, a, you're not recognizing my gift. You're controlling. That's a big one. You're controlling. No, you're just out of control. You know, out of control people, many times they react that way. You're controlling. No, you're just out of control and you don't want to have any submission to authority in your life because you're the prophetess. You're the prophet. You're the great apostle. It takes time. 
Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. 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 Praise God. And these things aren't for us anyway. We shouldn't be wanting these things for ourselves. It's not like career day. I'm an apostle. It's like it's career day and everybody's, you know, vying for some high office, some high place. Like I'm this great person or something like that. It's about helping people. Helping people. So, you know, when I stand before God, I mean, there'll be rewards for being faithful, to, you know, and, and functioning in the ministry that he, he, he called me to. But the primary thing I'm going to get judged for is love. Did you walk in love? Did you walk in love? That's spiritual. I mean, if you're an apostle, but you're not walking in love, you know, maybe you started out that way, but then you got warped and prideful, got puffed up, and now it's all about you. And you're prophesying and everything's about you and getting a crowd and all this kind of stuff. And, and you get away from love, you'll be judged. No matter how impressive the gifts are flowing in your life, you'll be judged for that. So number one is love. That's what we're after. I want to walk in love, don't you? Oh, man. All right. So Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed, well, he was one of the ones that served tables. Verse 9, now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Huh, that's interesting. So they, were, they prophesied, but they weren't necessarily prophets. They weren't, I didn't say they were prophets, but they prophesied, see. Now, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Let's look a little bit more at Philip to understand that he's an evangelist. What does that mean? Verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. So an evangelist preaches. He doesn't just teach. He preaches the gospel. He preaches about Christ, does miracles, deliverance, healing, the paralyzed and the lame, many demon, many unclean spirits crying with a loud voice. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to get the demons crying. Now remember, you see, well, you know, again, it's not just up to the minister. The body of Christ needs to, needs to, grow in their faith concerning these gifts. Because remember, Jesus in his own hometown, I mean, he, had, he was a powerful prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He could there do no mighty works. He couldn't do mighty signs, wonders, and deeds, and all those things in his own hometown. Why? Because they didn't believe. It limited what he was able to do. So we don't want to limit the grace of God. We don't want to limit the anointing of God. Do we? Man, we want to see this. Praise God. We want to see a lot of this. And so he preaches. He does miracles. Delivers people from demons, heals, even paralyzed and lame people getting healed, and brings great joy. Hallelujah. Great joy. You know, that, that supernatural joy of the Holy You know, the Bible tells us the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the Spirit. There's an anointing oil of joy. There's a joy anointing. 
And of course, you know, a lot of folks know Rodney Howard Brown, you know, that anointing's coming. Now you see people, a lot of religious people don't understand that. This is crazy. This is kooky. These people laughing. It's the anointing of, of joy. It's right here in the Bible. And it's part of what an evangelist has upon his life. <laughs> Can you say amen? It's a little bit more than that. <laughs> you understand? Hallelujah. And then the pastor, Jeremiah chapter 3. In verse 15, it says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. A pastor is mentioned in the word of God, but shepherd is mentioned more. And a pastor, we understand, is a shepherd who what? Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Give you the understanding of the word of God. Jeremiah 10 Verse 21, it says, For the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. So you see, just because you're called to be a pastor, just because you've been anointed to be a pastor, if you don't seek the Lord and keep yourself sharp spiritually, what's going to happen? That anointing is not going to flow. You're going to be dull-hearted, insensitive, and the flock's going to be scattered. Jeremiah 23 verse 4 says, And I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more. Hallelujah. Nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. Why won't they be lacking? Because they have a shepherd over them. Why won't they be fearful? Because they have a shepherd over them. Hallelujah. Why won't they be dismayed? Because they have a shepherd over them. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus saw the multitudes coming. And uh, it says in chapter 9, verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. There's that scattered again. Scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So a pastor is a shepherd who feeds the people with knowledge and understanding. Drives away fear, confusion, lack, and weariness. And is a unifier of God's people keeping them from being scattered. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. Man, you want to get under that as much as you can. You you don't want to just partake of that a little bit. You want to get all of that anointing, praise God. And it's the anointing that does it. Again, it feeds you with knowledge and understanding. Drives away fear. Confusion. Drives away lack and weariness. And unifies. God's people, keeping them from being scattered, being isolated, we could say. Each one's, everybody's scattered and everybody's isolated. Enemy wants to isolate you. It's easy to pick you off and take you down if he can isolate you by scattering you from the congregation. But praise God, we're not those who get scattered. So you might be confused, you might be dealing with some weariness, but press in. Press in and get under that anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's more we can say, 
concerning helps ministry and other things. But Lord willing, we'll hit that next time. Can you say amen? Praise God. Why don't we stand on our feet and thank the Lord for his word tonight and the anointing that's teaching us. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.